All right, this is uh, week three in our Back to uh, September to Remember, and we're doing back to school, and I always look around, and I am always amazed at how much excitement everybody creates about getting back to school. You know, getting back to school, and, and they advertise stuff, and it's colorful, and you, you go into a store, and they got all these supplies and stuff in there, and everything's, you know, it's like, oh, back to school, and I'm thinking to myself, back to school? What is exciting about back to school? When I was growing up in summertime, when it started to get to the end of summer and they start talking about back to school, I was depressed. I, I got up every day, I went fishing, I hung out, rode our dirt bikes, got chased by the police, you know, a lot of fun things. And now they're going to tell me to get up and they're going to tell me, you know, you got to get over to school and you got to get back and, you know, and you're going to sit for like six to seven hours a day. Can you just imagine me sitting for six to seven hours a day? It's no wonder I got beat several times. In your notes, there's a set of sermon notes in your program, just down just a click of a quarter there. So um, I have at the top of your notes being prepared. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you go to locations, you can pull up it live here, and you can also see and uh, follow along all the sermon notes and even the scriptures are there. But I put them on your notes today, and I have been prepared. And I, I know I have some friends who are teachers, and there's some teachers here, and there's teachers at Lifeline, and uh, they do an important task in life, and they're getting you prepared for life, right? They're getting you prepared for a job. They're getting you prepared for how to deal with uh, uh, life and growth and you know all kinds of wonderful things they tell us. But honestly, I never wanted to have anything to do with college. The only reason I went to college is because I was called into ministry. I got done with school, I got a job as a welder, I made money, and that's all I cared about. But I was prepared. My high school prepared me because we had medals class, and I got prepared, and it helped me with the job. I didn't go back to school, college, till I was 30, because that's how dumb I am. My IQ had to grow before I could even get into college, but I digress. So you're prepared in life. That's a wonderful thing. Has anybody ever told you that Jesus taught that if you're going to be prepared for the next life, that you have to do something in this life, and if you don't get it here, you don't go there? Anybody ever tell you that? That the the kingdom of heaven begins in your heart here on earth. And so what I want to say to you today, and what I hope to share with myself and others is that you have to decide at some point to follow Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to get back to church. Today is National Back to Church Day. And so I'd like to share with you a couple things that if you're going to get back to school, apply also to getting back to church. Number one in your notes. You want to fill it in with me? Ready to learn, number one? You've got to have the right supplies. You've got to have the right supplies. If you want to learn anything, you've got to have the right resources, right? You've got to have the right supplies or whatever, you know. I just found out uh, last week that uh, they have something that's called a troller's Bible. Now, that's not for trolling people. That is for fishing. If you're going to be trolling, they have something called the troller's Bible. John, help me see and know and understand that. I went online. They're like $200. Yeah, I thought so too, Kathy, yeah. I mean, but if you, if you, if you want to, you got to have the right supplies. Man, he catches a lot of fish because he knows how to troll, all right? So I have in your notes here that we have supplies, right? You get back to school, right? Notebook, highlighter. If you're going to troll, if you're going to be a fisherman, you got to have the troller's Bible. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to have the Holy Bible. Do you have a Bible? Do you read it? Do you understand it? Do you uh, get into Bible study with people that can help you understand that? 
And in your notes, I have some supplies for you today that are top-notch quality, and what you have access to is what any teacher in Bible theology has access to. I'm going to give you just a couple resources that you can look at stuff I mean, what the internet has given us is amazing. Let, let me go over a couple of them with you. Here's some supplies for you. You can go to this website for bluebible.org. Bluebible.org, what does it do? It takes a passage of scripture, you take it, you put it in it. Take you a little bit of time to learn how to navigate and everything it has. You, you put a passage of scripture in it, it pops it up. If it's in the Old Testament Hebrew, it puts it in English. You can study a phrase, a word. You can find out exactly what, say, I wonder what that word meant. You'd be surprised how much you can learn. I use it sometimes in sermon prep. Takes the New Testament, Greek, and puts it into English, and it lets you know and understand all the phrases and the meanings. It'll show you the Greek word, but you don't really need to know the Greek word. We took Greek in, in college and stuff, but it'll, it'll dissect it for you. It'll give you the definition. It's a great resource. The second resource there is the Foundry Publishing. This is the old Nazarene Press. Very trustworthy, very much, a lot of different resources, a lot of different, you know, real good theology. These are some of the ones that I suggest. You know, I'm not sure that you know that Paul was teaching a young man named Timothy, and he was trying to help this young pastor, and what he said to him, he made sure it was written down for you and for me, and Paul said to Timothy in 2.15, do your best. Do you give the Lord your best? Or is Christianity just kind of some side note? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Do you handle the word of God of truth? According to who? Well, according to me, I handle it, but according to the resources, according to the word of God. Have you ever shown up for a test and forgot it was a test or you you really weren't prepared, and maybe you didn't get such a good job, great on it. Maybe you even failed. If you failed, you failed. And so I ask you the question, what happens if we don't study to show ourselves approved? If we only think, well, let's just go on Sunday, and we'll let some guy stand up front and tell us everything. That's how people are deceived. I have no problem with anybody here checking out anything that I teach. Open up your Bible, check it out. I have this thought one day, I'm going to teach everything that's a heresy and nothing that is true, and see if anybody catches on. Before all of you leave, I'd, I'd, I'd say, no, no, I was just kidding, come back, you know. You, you have to have the right supplies. Study materials I have in here, the Beacon Bible Commentary, a very good holiness uh, commentary. The Wesley Study Bible, I got my nephew James one of those. You can buy them used, you can go to Amazon, you can go wherever, buy a used one, get a good one, whatever, you know. Supplies are available like never before. Folks, you don't want to show up and not have studied up. So, if we don't have any supplies to learn about God, see, we can form God in our own image, and people do this all the time. Well, God would never do that. Says who? Be careful, everybody. One of the Ten Commandments, don't form God in your own image. Here's number two. After you have the supplies, you have to submit. You know, everybody knows that if you're going to learn to play the piano, you have to submit, right, Candy? Piano lessons. You get somebody shows up, they haven't submitted. They haven't done what you've asked them to do. Go practice, 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 you know? If you haven't submitted to the teacher, you're not going to learn. You're not going to grow. And this is the same way it is with Christianity. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, 
And each one of you is a part of it, all right? You just receive that, everybody? Each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. Verse 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Folks, that makes it pretty important that the third gift that Jesus Christ has said when he left, he poured out gifts, and the third gift is people in the church with the gift of teaching. I'm going to make a plug for our connection ministry. Our connection ministry helps you know and understand what your gifts are because it is so important to, for teachers. I mean, if you are a teacher here, if somebody has said to you, and I'm not talking a secular, I'm talking a, a Bible teacher, can you help the word of God be made understood for people? If you can, then you are probably a teacher. You're there, you're helping somebody. Can you help? And you are important. Four times a year, we offer Bible studies in every season, right? Winter, spring, summer, fall, we have Bible studies. There's several, three going on, four going on right now. If you're a teacher, you are important to this church. But the other side of it is, is if you come to this church, you need to sit and learn under a teacher, we have everyone every Wednesday and Thursday. We got a Bible study going on for marriages that Kevin and Amy are teaching and several different ones. Kathy is in charge of making sure we have Bible studies that are biblically uh, and, and theologically found uh, sound. And so they are offered. Folks, they are offered to you. You see, Bible study and submitting to a teacher is not for some Christians. It's for every Christian. I won't even say for every serious Christian because that's... An oxymoron. For every Christian, you must be studying. You must be submitting to somebody, under somebody. And every student submits themselves to a teacher. We learn to help those outside of Christianity, even when we go to a study. The Wednesday and Thursday night study is, is a college-level study. And there's a lot of stuff that Christians believe, but the, what we're learning is, how can I help somebody who doesn't believe Jesus Christ is God understand that so they can come to know him as Savior and Lord. Folks, you know people that didn't submit to teachers in high school, college, whatever it is. I can see those people from high school, and that's a long time ago. I can see them in my, I can see these guys. They are bums today. Unless they changed something around, they got out and they went nowhere. Not, not nowhere. You and I, we must submit to those that God has gifted to teach. Every teacher submits, even in school, to a principal and school policies, and every pastor has to submit to teachers above him. That's one of the reasons we're doing the Dr. Chris Bounds study. Christian leaders submit. Are you submitting to a Christian teacher? This is one of the tools that opens up our heart. For a Christian, this is not an option. Number three, we had our supplies with us, right? Back to school, back to church, you know. And just so you know, out on the table out there, Nancy has compiled a table full of supplies. You want a highlighter for highlighting your, book, your Bible? Take it. There's a pen out there. There's a notepad. There's a, uh, some Bibles out there, large print Bibles out there for all those who, you know, have three-degree glasses or transition or whatever it is, you know. Take it. If you have a Bible... Write in it. Mark in it. You show me a Bible that's not written or marked, and I show you a Bible that's unused and unused in life. You can write in it. You can mark it. It'll help you learn. 
folks, we then, number three, we're there to study, you know. With all that has been said, Jesus comes along and finds some people who are looking at the Scriptures, and they're looking at it to get out of it what they want. These religious leaders looked at the Bible, and they wanted to get out of it. That's a, that's a danger, you know, sometimes I read in the Bible, and it's just like, oh, I, I want to find what it is so I can have vengeance on my enemy. And God says, vengeance is mine. And then I decide, am I going to submit? Will I be taught? Or will I take it up my way? Here's John, the fifth chapter, verse 36. Jesus is saying to these religious leaders who read the Old Testament all the time, he said, you study... You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. In other words, you're studying them and you're reading them and so you have it. But they don't have eternal life because it's not in the words. It's in a person. Verse, uh, uh, continue reading. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. If you were reading the scriptures and you were understanding the scriptures, you would understand and see that I am fulfilling the scriptures, Jesus said. Now, you can't just read your Bible. Your Bible has to lead you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. You want to know who Jesus is? Read the four Gospels. Study the four Gospels to see who Jesus is. This reinforces to me, Evan, you need to sit under Bible teachers, people who know it and understand it. And if they're not pointing you to Jesus, get out of the class. There are students that uh, study by themselves, and as Christians, we have quiet devotional times. We, we read by ourselves, you know. Then it's always nice to, if you're a student, you're a good student, you, you, you sit under a teacher, and you're learning some things. And with other students, you want to learn. You go to Bible study, you get to learn, you get to be with a group of people. It it's really is a lot of fun, and it's really a great time of fellowship. And then you, every once in a while, you have one of those group projects, you know. Your well-meaning teacher says, you know, I want you guys to learn to work together. And so, the A students start to grumble because they know in that group, maybe they put four of you in there, you know, you're going to get me, you know. And, and, and you're an A student, and you're not going to let any D student drag you down. So you're going to work hard. And then you've got the D students who get in the A student because you're going to get me a better grade, and I'm not going to do hardly no work. The problem is, is that may get a group grade of A or B, but in Christianity, that does not work. You can't just be a part of a group and do well. You have to do well individually. You have to study individually. You have to know Jesus individually. You can't just be in a family of a mom and dad and a grandma who know Jesus. You have to know Jesus. You have to study. I have to study. Teachers must study and be under teachers. After we have studied, we must put it into practice. And if we haven't put it into practice, we haven't learned. If you, you get somebody who takes piano lessons, and if after a year, all they can play is chopsticks, Candy, at least you got their money, hopefully, if they paid you for the lesson, because they didn't learn nothing else. Are you putting into practice anything you are studying and learning? Because if not, this is pretty useless spiritually folks we don't want jesus to say to us what he said to the religious leaders you've been studying diligently you've been looking for all these things in the scripture and you haven't found me i am eternal life jesus christ number four 
getting ready to go back to school, you got to make sure you got the right clothes, right? I could have cared less. I went to a school where they had a dress code, you know. They told you what color pants to wear. They told you what shirt and what tie was everything. It was like zippity-doo-dah, so you can imagine. I went to school, uh, but people make a big deal about clothes and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you got to have the right clothes if you're getting back to school. The only reason you need other clothes is if, if you either shrunk or you grew. You know, but anyway, I digress. The Bible talks about clothing. The Bible talks about clothing ourselves, and I want to give you something that I want you to look up for yourself. Do you know in the book of Revelation it says the only people that get into heaven are those who are wearing white robes? Clothing themselves. So it's a picture. You get it. It's a picture. What do white robes stand for? And do you have one so that you make sure that you are in in eternity in heaven? Go ahead and take a look at that when you get a chance. Romans, the 13th chapter. Verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. And that phraseology means this world is almost over, and the day, the day when Christ returns and this earth is no more, is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and look at it, put on the armor of light. Look, put on, this is what I want you to wear, the armor of light. We are to be the light of the world. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh, which is everything that was just listed up there, you know? Students, you know, what a student goes to school and what they end up wearing says who they are, you know? Uh, uh, and I don't know about girls, but guys, we really don't care much about what we wear. Maybe that's changing a little bit. But when I was in grade school, the only thing I wanted was red ball jets. Yeah, you young people don't have a clue what that is. Red ball jets. I can just tell you this. The advertising beat me down and said you could run faster and jump higher. you got to have that red ball on the back of your tennis shoes. Red ball jets. Now, I irritated my parents until I got a set of red ball jets. I couldn't run any faster. I couldn't jump any higher. Matter of fact, uh, Ashley, where's Ashley? Where's she at? Ashley was singing and, and this, over at Lifeline, and uh, they were practicing, and a spider was coming down, like right about there. And the spider's coming down, I'm thinking, is it going to... So I grabbed something that gave me some extension. I, I grabbed the garbage, and I... And I went up there and I jumped. I got about six inches off the ground. And I jumped and I scooped it and got out and fell on the floor. They were all freaking out and stuff like that. But uh, I rescued Ashley, just so you all know. I mean, she owes her life to me. But I was deceived. I was deceived. What did it cost me? It cost my parents some money. How do you know you don't have red ball jet theology? That somebody's telling you something or teaching you something? that is not right or true unless you are studying you got the supplies you're sitting under a teacher and here you are you have the right clothes you are putting on what the scripture says I spoke with somebody this past week a friend of mine I've known him for years and he knows I'm a pastor and I know he and he went through a really tough divorce and he was working through it and and uh, he told me I met him at six o'clock in the morning he said he'd been up since 2 30 he says I hardly ever sleep and I asked him why and and I know him pretty well, and he's just, I have no peace, I have no joy, I have this, none of this, that, you know. And so I just, I just 
let my head fall down a little bit. He says, Evan, you know. Tell me, don't be afraid of hurting my feelings. Just tell me the truth. Tell me straight up. And I, I said to him, I said, you are living outside of what the scriptures teach. I said, you're living with somebody not married to them for money reasons. You're going to let that keep you out of eternity? You're deceived. Has somebody given you some red ball jet theology that you think that God's grace is going to cover that? No. This passage of Scripture says we can't live in sexual immorality. And he's a good friend. He thanked me for letting him know that. I don't see where it'll go, whatever it is. But, you know, every one of us knows the clothes we wear say something about us. And that's for the Bible teaches us the same thing. How we clothe ourselves. Clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ is how we are seen. And it really is who we are. Put on, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So let's have a little pop quiz. You guys ready for a little pop quiz? All right, what we're going to do today is, is I hated pop quizzes. They tormented me. I'd rather write a 25-page paper. So I just figured I would get a little cathartic, and I would just give you some pop quizzes to irritate you guys, and so maybe put some pressure on you, and I could feel better about it. So in your notes, you see I got three different lines there. I got to uh, try to see what I, what I gave you guys there. And as you see that there, I want to play for you three sets of uh, 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 lyrics from a song. These songs, and I'll just say it this way, are supposedly Christian worship songs. Can it be a Christian worship song? And I have two things that you should judge everything by. Matter of fact, this is what we go through with the design team. This, before we try to sing a song, we try to make sure everything is as close biblically as possible. You see, there's two things. You want to look for biblical truths in the lyrics, and you can't know if they're biblical truth unless you study unless you sit under a teacher, unless you read. And the other thing I want you to look for is artists who aren't afraid to use the name of Jesus in their lyrics. So uh, I want to just play for you. I think each of these is about 30 or 40 seconds. Here's the first one. Go ahead, uh, Derek. Just, just play this first one here. Let me see how you guys do with this little pop quiz. All right. There's a war between guilt and grace. That kind of rhymes. They both begin with a G. I get it. Sometimes you feel guilty about something. But does the Bible use guilt to convict us of sin so that we can get right with Jesus Christ? And if you're talking grace, there's at least five different kinds of grace that I can find in the Scripture. What kind of grace is he talking about? Grace wins every time. If it's unmerited favor, the kind of grace that helps us to get saved, then I guess that means if grace wins every time, everybody gets saved. Everybody goes to heaven. Grace wins every time. Now, I am picking on it a little bit, and I know the context is this, that, the other, but I want to ask you, that, actually, Candy, Candy gave me this one. She says, you know that one that says, grace wins every time? I'm like, okay, Candy, I'll use it, and I'll blame you. <laughs> I don't want you to be deceived with red ball jet theology, especially in songs. We're worshiping, but we're singing things that, how do we know if they're actually even true? What kind of grace and salvation is unmerited favor through grace? So you've got to ask yourself the question, what exactly does that mean? Grace wins every time. There's a war between guilt and grace. Well, maybe that war is a good one that will bring me to repentance 
and I will find Jesus Christ, or if I'm a Christian, will guilt me into repenting and saying what I've done was wrong and connect my, my relationship with Jesus back. Here's, here's the second one. Go ahead and play that one for me. All right, guy on American Idol uh, wants to be able to, I'm I'm assuming he wants to be able to cross over between Christians and the secular world. Uh, You hear his music someplace outside of the church and stuff like that. A lot of Christian principles, more of you, less of me. Did he use the name Jesus? I went to his website. I listened to the sample of each of the songs that were in this new album. Didn't hear Jesus one time. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying I did not. I listened to his song, All That Matters, and I thought, wow, if a Christian is singing a song, All That Matters, what is it? And you know what his answer was? All that matters is that God loves me. We have perverted God's love to a point of heresy so very often. And he, did he use the name Jesus? Nope. He used the word king. He used the word God. Okay. can be generic. And let me tell you this. A Jehovah Witness could sing this song because they believe in a king and they believe in a God. And Muslims do too, friends of ours. You know, Buddhists or whatever, you know, people who we want to know who Jesus Christ is. They could sing parts of these songs and that type of thing. Who in the world is he talking to? I know he wants to do crossover and he wants to maybe reach into but can I ask you a question if Christian artists are trying to cross over they're trying to and by that I mean they're trying to reach people that don't know Christ and bring it to them why is it that the songs that they sing have to leave out Jesus why people don't use Jesus' name like people use I'm not even going to go there let me, let me just anyway uh, uh, today's is, is a pop quiz. I'm trying to get you to learn and to think and to grow. I'm trying to get you to, if, if I say you can challenge what I teach, you should be challenging what you are singing and worshiping to. And so here's, here's one last one. Go ahead and give me that one. Now, those are freaks. It's thinking about Jesus. They can't say in his name too many times. Three things I point out to you in this song. Biblical truth. Not afraid to say the name Jesus. How about lyrics that stretch me? What do you, what do you think? There's nothing I desire that can't be found in you. And we know who the you is. Jesus. There's nothing I desire. How does that stretch me? To make sure that my desire isn't for the things of the flesh. You're everything that I've ever needed. Just give me Jesus. You are everything. You know, I built my house on sinking sand. And it's going to sink. The challenge as we listen to Christian music is, what is it talking to us? What is it saying to us? What is it theological? You know why people love hymns? Because most hymns, 90%, are theologically correct. And a lot of the music today is wimpified. I just made that word up. They are spiritually wimpified. And they can do nothing but wimp me out and you out too. To follow Jesus, it is a tough road to hoe. Christians used to know this. There are sayings out there, love the sinner, hate the sin. Is that, is that biblical? Don't use it unless you know it's biblical, you know. Cleanliness is next to godliness, you know, unless you're cleaning fish and you're filthy and you stink. I have in your notes, like a lamb led to the slaughter. You probably heard that phrase. 
like a lamb led to the slaughter. The definition I have in there of what exactly that phrase means. In an unconcerned manner, unaware of impending catastrophe. Back to church Sunday. Ah, church, take it or leave it. Ah, Bible study, studying it personally, being in Bible study, ah, take it or leave it. In an unconcerned manner, unaware of an impending catastrophe, because everybody thinks the love and the grace of Jesus is going to just carry me into heaven. And on page after page of my Bible, it tells me what I'm supposed to do. You really think you have a good excuse to not be in Bible study? Don't talk to me, because I'll, I'll tell you people who have a good excuse, and they are there all the time. Folks, just because I don't have this study habit, uh, somebody says, well, Jesus isn't going to hold that against me. Is that biblical? Because you don't approach Christians seriously enough to learn and to grow you are like a lamb led to the slaughter. Here's the central point of what I want to say to you today. We need to learn how to live from Jesus. Learn how to live. He is the greatest teacher. He's the one we go to. He's the one we start with. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, he says, take my yoke upon you. You get that, right? You, this is what he says to do. He says, Evan, two oxen. One here, one here, two oxen. And they're, they're towing a load. They each got their head and their shoulders are carrying side of the, uh, the yoke. On one side of the yoke is Jesus. On the other side, my head and my shoulders are in it. That's the picture. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle. Don't create Jesus in your own image. I, I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, the very thing that my friend who can't sleep at night for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because what we are pulling is life. In life, you have a load to carry, and I got it. And you try to carry it by yourself, I try to carry it by myself, it's heavy. But with Jesus, it's light. Because he'll do more than his share, and you already know that. Folks, next Sunday is VIP Sunday. And we're inviting, folks, I, I was praying to invite somebody, and the Lord opened a door, and I got to invite somebody else. These are people that we want to know. We want you to know you are very important to Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to close the service with that last song for just a time of meditation, a, a time to meditate. Maybe it could even be a prayer. Maybe you've wandered away from Jesus and you want to just say, just give me Jesus. Let me go with Jesus. Let me go with what he teaches. Let me go with him. So this last song, as we get ready to close, instead of going back and forth and back and forth in life, why not get solid? Why not stay solid with Jesus Christ? Why don't you just let the Spirit of God speak to you today? You know you can talk back to him. And then Kim will come and give us a few announcements.